So we're excited this morning. We have our network, network superintendent. We just changed our name at council this week. We're not a district anymore. We're a network. Uh, but Toby and Kim Schneckloth are here, and Toby was our district youth director and also our district kids director for, 15, well, still is, I guess, 15 years. And so he's been here before in different roles. Uh, but most of our teenagers and a lot of our students know Toby and Kim. They've been in Lex a lot down the street here at the camp. And uh, so he comes today. He actually got uh, voted in as our, our superintendent in January, <laughs> right before the coronavirus hit. So he's had an interesting first year. Uh, but we're really excited these guys are here. So would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Toby and Kim Schneckloth? Yeah. Woo. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was wonderful. That may, I've been to a few churches now. That might be the biggest applause I think I've had. That's incredible. Uh, thank you so much, Rex, and uh, you guys are awesome. And yeah, it's a privilege to be here today. Uh, I see a lot of faces I don't know, and so that's good. I also see a lot of faces I do know, which is awesome. Some, some good friends here in the crowd. And uh, Lexington is near and dear to our hearts because, of course, our camp is nearby, and I lived every summer out here at the camp as part of my job the last 15 years. And so it's always good to come back here and be with you in church. Um, I'm also glad that Kim is with me this morning, and uh, when I was ZYD, a lot of times Kim wasn't able to be with me for the trips during the week and stuff, and now the superintendent, she's with me all the time, so I just love it, and I feel like our marriage is even getting better, I just, you know, <laughs> it wasn't bad or anything, you know, but, uh, but anyway, we are here, we'd love to interact afterwards if you have time, and get to know you a little bit better, because our passion is uh, definitely, we want to pursue the will of God here in Nebraska, but we also are passionate about relationships, and getting to know you and being close to you. And on those lines, I just want to just say a few thank yous right off the start. Um, as uh, part of the uh, district, we have a mission right now. It's going to come up here on the screens. And our mission is healthy ministers leading healthy ministries that multiply. And I'm excited about that. There's three main areas there. The ministers, the ministries, and then the multiply. Now, on top of that, we also have a team called management that we just couldn't fit into the, to the phrase to make it real catchy. You know, healthy ministers lean healthy ministries that multiply with the help of management. It, it, you know, just doesn't, but everybody knows you need the management, right? And uh, the management area encapsulates really our campgrounds, our property, which is the greatest resource that we own here in Nebraska. And uh, the last couple of years, as part of our vision, the Presbytery decided that we were going to invest back into our camp and make it something to be proud of again the way that it looks. Now, we've always been proud of the camp, but it had so much deferred maintenance that it was having a difficult time keeping up with the business needs that we needed. And so, uh, with the help of an incredible camp board, uh, we started a Vision Nebraska Fund, and that was my responsibility the last few years as the Vision team leader. And uh, every church was asked to support this fund and to give to it. And your church did that very faithfully. In fact, you guys came in at a very strong amount. And I want to thank you so much for your giving. Those funds were matched by uh, donations from our camp board. Over the last two years, we've had over $400,000 of improvements at the property just down the street. Isn't that incredible? And if you'll look up here, the next slide will show you some pictures. And if you haven't gone out and seen it, come out anytime you want. Uh, actually, one of your staff members lives there, so you have the keys. You can get in anywhere you want, Kenny. <laughs> but uh, you can see the beautiful 
picture there on the bottom of the crossing. That, of course, is our name. Uh, many of you might still refer to it as Camp Lex. That's fine as well, whatever you want to call it. But the Crossing Retreat Center up on the left is the new and improved auditorium, state-of-the-art. It's just as good as any of our churches all across the state. We have roughly 70 churches, 85 preaching points across Nebraska right now, and some of those churches are thousands of people, and the quality there is the same as quality that we have right there, which is incredible. And then, of course, on the right, top left there, is the outside of our King Dorm, which was just recently renovated. And um, many of you knew the name Clyde King. That's what the, dor the dorm is named after one of our pastors uh, from our history. His grandson, Sean King, is the chairman of our board. And one of the things I'm really proud of is that he didn't start with King Dorm. He started with Dickinson, because <laughs> I thought for sure he's going to do it all in King. No, that came second. <laughs> and, uh, but we've got some great plans for this year. We're looking to try to work in Ackerman Lodge which if you've been out there, that's the big you know, center point of the camp. We're looking at a possible RV park on the north end property that used to be really dilapidated. So I'm really excited for what God is doing at the camp. Again, I want to say thank you for your strong leadership, for your giving, for your support of our vision. This next year, 2021, those funds that our churches are giving are going to roll over into incredible initiatives for our ministers and our churches that I'm really excited about. More about that will be coming in the months and in the year ahead. Um, I also want to just give praise to your pastors because uh, they are crucial team members for myself and my wife. Um, as you know, Pastor Rex, well, maybe you don't know this, he was just elected a couple of weeks ago. Was this announced here in church? Oh, well, good. I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, we had our annual business meeting for all of our ministers. It was at the camp, and it was really exciting because they got to experience all of the wonderful upgrades they've been a part of. And, uh, I'm telling you, people walked away so proud of what we have there and proud to call that the centerpiece of our Nebraska network. And uh, at that conference, we voted for executive members that would represent our three regions. And here in the central region, we had a vacancy. And so we vetted through the names, we looked through it, and sure enough, your own Pastor Rex is the central regional presbyter elected. So let's give him a round of applause. Yes. Yes. Here's a picture. You see this next slide, a picture where I had him last week on a Zoom call with several pastors. And look how official he looks up in the top left. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> He's wearing a Speed the Light shirt, so I love that because I'm still passionate about that. But all of these guys, several of them are from the area, are just supporting you. I am doubling his workload now, just so you know. And so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going <laughs> to. But he is a tremendous support to me. And as you know, he wouldn't be who he is without his wife, right? In fact, this whole church knows how great Amy is. And here's a picture of Amy in action at the event, leading one of our breakouts. It was the first one I went to. It was a breakout on recruiting people. And, uh, I mean, you guys know how awesome she is as a pastor's wife, how awesome she is helping with the different ministries of the church and in the community. She's a leader at the YMCA. And so I just applaud Amy as well because she's incredible. And I was talking to her about getting ordained as well because I think she's got that strong calling on her life. But isn't that awesome seeing Amy teaching all of our ministers the gifts that God has given her and that you've experienced here in the church? Let's clap for her as well. I think that'd be good. Uh, we really do love you guys and we want to thank you for your leadership. In fact, I believe, and my records might be a little skewed because I'm brand new, okay? But... 
uh, I believe this month is even an anniversary for them here at the church. And I think they came in in 2015. Is that right? 2010. Sorry. 20. So uh, that's the newness right there. But 2010. So 10 years this month at Calvary. Isn't that amazing? Come on, let's give another one. Woo! Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Stay standing, stay standing. Stretch your hand out here. We're going to pray for him quick. God, bless the Adams. Lord, thank you for these 10 years. God, give us 10 more at least. Lord, I pray, bless their kids. God, bless their jobs. Bless everything they're doing, Lord. And I just ask you to reward them for their faithfulness to you here at Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Seriously, great job. Great job. All right. So today, if you uh, have your Bible with you, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 21, and uh, we're going to start with verse 28, and I'm going to tell you the story of two sons, two brothers. Is there any uh, brothers here in the church today? Anybody at all? If, you, if you're a brother and you are both here, would you raise your hand so we can kind of see you guys? Yeah. Some of you raise your hand, some of you are like, no, I'm not going to raise <laughs> These guys up here raising their hand, proud brothers. Yep. You know, brothers are interesting. A lot of times, you know, they become competitors in their own family, always, you know, working against each other, wrestling and playing games and trying to be the best man and, then, of course, if anybody messes with a brother, watch out, because his other brother is going to come up and get his back, right? Uh, my wife and I have two sons. You can see a picture of them here. Now, they're a little older than that now, but I found this photo of them from when they were kids, and uh, they were the same, you know, always wrestling and kind of arguing. My oldest son is on the left there. That's Ryan. He's now 22. Is that right, Ken? Somewhere in that range? 21. And uh, he uh, is very dominant, right? He's very strong, he's very loud, he's very vocal. But my other son, Eric, on the right, is kind of quiet, more subdued. But Eric, if he ever got mad, could tear Ryan apart. Now, brothers that are here, is that, you guys see the same thing? Maybe the younger one, you know, is kind of quiet, but, all, but don't get him mad or else you're in trouble. If you're a younger brother, you should be going, yeah, preach it. <laughs> Well, I myself am from a family where I have a brother. I, there's two in my family. And here's a picture of us. There you can see. And uh, that's me on the right, if you didn't know. Or, or Sorry, no, that's me on the left, if you didn't know. <laughs> sorry, I, got, I was getting mixed up here. That's actually from the conference we just had a couple weeks ago. But my brother there, Corey, is actually a pastor as well. And uh, the funny thing about him is he's actually several years younger than I am. Uh, I'm going to mess this up too, but I think it's 13, 15, 15 that years younger than I am he is. But growing up, we always played games and, you know, wrestled and stuff. And of course, I won like crazy because being 15 years older, not a chance. <laughs> but brothers are an interesting thing that God gives us. And I want to use that kind of moving into our message. And so starting with verse 28, I'm going to, the verses are going to be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But it's from the Contemporary English Version. So that's a little different. You might have your NIV there. Maybe you do King James. The CEV is this version. All right? And uh, so if you don't have that, that's fine. But that's what it's going to be like on the screen. So we can just go ahead and look at this together. 
Jesus told the story about a man who had two sons. The father went to the older son. He said, go work in the vineyard today. Son told him he would not do it, but later changed his mind, and he went. Next slide. The father then told his younger son to work in the vineyard. The boy said he would, but he didn't. Which one of the sons obeyed his dad? Well, the chief priests and leaders who Jesus was talking to, they answered him, the older one. Last slide here. Then Jesus told them, tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you ever will. When John the Baptist showed you how to do right, you wouldn't believe him. But these evil people did. And even when you saw what they did, you still would not change your minds and believe. Now, this is a tough story that Jesus told to teach a lesson to the chief priests and to these leaders of the people. And I really want to focus on that leaders, but I think it's interesting in this, this story or parable, if you will, of two sons, right? The dad goes out, talks to the older one, and the older one says, no. <laughs> now, here's the funny thing about that. In our churches today, there's the older generation and the younger generation. And a lot of times when you come in and I'm excited to uh, have a, a new vision for the church or a pastor might stand up a new vision, the younger ones are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go win the whole world. And then maybe they don't wind up doing a lot sometimes. But then the older ones are like, no, <laughs> we're staying. But then eventually, sometimes they come around and they're the ones that are doing all the work. So this parable actually lives out in our churches often. I'm not trying to put down one or the other. But it's just some of the dynamics we see in those older and younger generations. But it happens with brothers as well. And it happens in our churches. I think it's interesting that when the dad went to the older one, he said no. You know, he's older. Maybe he has his own life. Maybe he's uh, developed his own authority. Maybe he feels like he's outside of his dad's uh, rule a little bit. And so he has the audacity to say no to his dad. But after he thinks about it and he considers it, he realizes, I love my dad, and I want to help him, and so he does go, and he, and he does it. And then the dad goes to the younger one, and the younger one immediately is like, yes, I'll do anything I can to please you. I, I, want, to, I want to earn my spot in your uh, will. You know, I want to become all that God's called me to be. And then, you know, goes home and starts playing games, or, <laughs> or then gets excited about the next thing, or, you know, uses all their energy so fast that now i got to go take a nap, or whatever. And they wind up not getting the job done. And so then Jesus asks them, who did it? Now, I think it's easy to answer that and say, well, the older one, of course. But think about you and I, okay? If you're a parent in here, what, what would you like to happen? Well, the truth is, I would like them both to say, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then they both do it. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think what we all want is we all want somebody that's going to say it and do it, right? And that's really what a leader is. They don't just say they're going to do it. They follow through on it. And a leader doesn't just do it without saying they're going to do it, too. They actually say they're going to do it. So in this case, here's what I think would have been best. When the father went to the older son and he said, hey, would you help me in the vineyard? He was looking for a son that would say, yes, I will, Dad. But then not only would he go and do it, but he would have gone and recruited his younger brother to join him. And then the younger brother, kicking and screaming, would have been dragged into the vineyard with his older brother, and they would have worked it together. And see, that didn't happen in this story, but Jesus was still glad for the one who actually did the job. So I think the focus here is God wants the job done. 
Sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want. Sometimes it happens through different means. But more than anything, the mission is paramount. We've got to get the job done. God's job in this world is to evangelize the lost, right? God's job in this world is to build his church. God's job in the world is to take us to the end where we will be with him for eternity. But getting there is the challenge. And God wants the job done. But for you and I, the best case scenario is that we would accept that call, that we would do the job, but then listen to this, that we'd recruit our younger brother to come and join with us. I say that because I want to talk about leadership today. And this parable is a great example of that because Jesus was speaking this to the religious leaders of the people. A second ago, we just honored the Adams for their incredible leadership here at this church. God has done great things with them, but they build an incredible team. And, and they know, as I know, that all of the wonderful things happening here are not just because of them, it's because of the team. So not only did they say, yes, we'll go, not only did they do the job, but they recruited the others to join in with them. And that is leadership. Now, I quickly want to switch this to um, a story of a good friend of mine here in the state. Some of you might know them. They pastor in Red Cloud, which is south of Hastings. It's down by the Kansas border. Anybody been to Red Cloud? Okay, it's not too far from here. Last week I was in Scotts Bluff and I said that and not one hand went in the air. <laughs> so maybe we aren't getting around the state as much as I thought we were. But here's a picture of them. I think it's uh, coming up here. Yes, yeah, Steve and Jan Wilson. They're in their 70s, right? They've had a wonderful long life. They're ready, you know, for what we declare as retirement. But they are ministering at their church for the kingdom of God. Now this year, in March, I was the first superintendent to ever make an announcement to our churches that you need to close your doors. <laughs> I didn't do that because I wanted to, but our governor said, you got to close your doors. And so all of our churches were asked to stop meeting in person and to explore other measures. Now, for some of us, not so hard, right? I mean, all of us would say it was a challenging time, but some of us were a little better acquainted with, with technological means than others. The Wilsons were one of those that were really challenged. This was not something that was second nature to them. You know, as an older couple, they readily admitted, we are not comfortable with this. Most of the people in their church are older too, so they thought, how are they going to do it as well? And so they called our office, and we tried to help them with Zoom, which everybody's heard of now. And uh, that's the online conferencing tool that we can meet with each other. And so we started helping them set up a Zoom meeting to do their church. Who ever thought we were going to do church like this? Those of you watching on home, at home, God bless you. Because <laughs> we, we, whoever thought it was going to be like this? But praise the Lord, this is happening. So they started that. Well, sure enough, in the middle of this pandemic, when there's lots of concern and where's all the people going? Are our church members going to come back? What's going to happen with the state of the church? Their church started having a revival. And people started showing up that were new. In fact, there was a, a family that started attending and they didn't speak any English. Now think about this. They're not in person, so you're not having the affinity of enjoying each other. Then they're watching from home, and they don't even necessarily understand all the words that they're speaking, but they're still there. They're still watching. That's the grace of God drawing them in. It's just amazing. So they lined up a special service with one of our Spanish ministers that came down, ministered to that family, preached, and the dad, the head of the household, gave his life to the Lord. This happened just a few weeks ago. They took him out, and they baptized him, 
and in just a couple weeks, their family is moving back to Guatemala. Think about the timing on all of this. And none of that would have been possible if they would have said, no, we're not going to try these other measures. We're not going to adapt during this difficult time. And at first, they were resistant. Now, they didn't say no. They didn't, but they were one of the first calls I had and said, uh, Pastor Toby, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and it was tough. But God blessed them for their obedience, and they ministered to a family in the nick of time. Another great thing that happened there, and I've been telling this all over the state, their mailman came to the Lord during this period. Now think about that. We're closing the doors and no one goes to the church, but there is one person who still came, the mailman. <laughs> I don't know if there's any postal workers here. God bless you. Not one hand, <laughs> but <laughs> praise the Lord. But uh, what a way to reach out. We, we don't just have to reach the people we have to go and find. We should at least be reaching the people who have to come to us. <laughs> so he got saved too, and they lovingly refer to him as the mailbox because he's a short, stocky guy. And here's a picture of him getting baptized in the river right there too. Isn't that a great what God is doing in their lives? Now I want to point that out because it connects to our story again. This is an older ministry couple, but they're still working as hard as they can for the Lord and God is blessing them. They make me think of that older son. And I'm proud of them because even though it was tough at first, they followed through and God's blessing them for it. Now what I'm working with them on is let's find a younger brother that we can bring along with us so we can work together. So I want to switch from two sons. I want to tell you a story of two churches. Um, right after I became the superintendent in February of this year, I got a call from a church in a different part of the state that was in trouble. This was a church that didn't have a pastor and hasn't for a couple of years. And there was a lady who had agreed to be preaching for us. She had some Bible training in her past. And so she called and said, hey, we were down to two families and this week when I showed up at church, there was a note on the door from the second family that said, we're leaving. So there's only one family left, and it's my family. And she said, even though, you know, my family doesn't mind me preaching to them, it's a little weird every week. <laughs> it's just me and my own family. So she said, we need help. So I called up my regional presbyter from that side of the state, and uh, we gathered together and met with the church. And the first thing when we came to the church is they said, where have you been? They said, we've been in all this trouble, and you're the district, or the network, you're the leaders who are supposed to be helping us, where have you been? Now again, I could say to them, well, I'm new. <laughs> but I know my predecessor, and, and he was faithful too. So I'm thinking, something's not right. So we looked back in their records, and the way that the Assemblies of God is set up, that church would send in reports annually to our office about the health of their church at the end of the year. And in those reports, there's indicators if we need to step in more readily to help them or if they're doing good on their own. Because the goal is that every church would govern itself with assistance from the network office. And so in this situation, the reports were showing that they were doing great. Their numbers were above that benchmark that you know, dictates having to step in. And there were you know, reports of salvations and all kinds of things going on. And so we said, is this... Is this true? And, and unfortunately, this lady said, man, I don't know who filled out those reports, but that is not accurate. Well, as we researched more, there was a wonderful board member who had been a part of the church when the pastor before, had, before he had left. And before that pastor left, he had said to this board member, man, you need to do everything you, you can do to keep the network office out of here. Because if they come in, they're going to change everything. So this guy, filling out those reports, unbeknownst to the rest of the board and the church, was making sure to make sure those numbers 
and the report was at a, at a place where we would not have to come in. Well, then, shortly before the end of the year, his family and he moved away and left the church in a very difficult situation. So we had to take drastic measures. We immediately moved that church to a, a network-led church, and then we voted to close the doors and try to figure out what to do. I am pleased that we have another church nearby working with them now to develop ministry again, but it's a work in progress. So effectively, that church closed. That's a sad story. That's not something I ever want to do again, but sometimes we have to do that. Now, that's the first church. But the second church, I also got a, I got a call. It was earlier in the week. And they said, hey, can you come up? We want to we report to you. Well, this church was nearby this church. Now, it's in a part of the state that's very spread out. So it's about two hours away. So I got in my car and I drove to that church. And I've been saying this story in other places. Basically, in that part of the state, that's next door, two hours away. And uh, so I went two hours away and I get to this other city in this church and the pastor comes out and gives me a huge hug and then we sit down and he says i couldn't wait to get you here because i want to tell you the story of what god's done he said we came in and this was a district led church a network supported church because it had been under that threshold and so he was assigned to go to this church and help them and he said you know it's been tough but i came in here and started working hard i started making relationship in the community we started working on the building to improve it. We saw some families starting coming back. Some of those families had leaders that started youth and kids again, which is a sign of a healthy church, which, praise God, you guys have such awesome youth and kids ministries here at Calvary. Thank you for doing that. Of course, I'm the old DYD. I'm always going to say that. But um, they were rejoicing because now they had moved above that threshold and they were ready to become self-governing again. And this was not something we were keeping them from. I was excited. In fact, we just celebrated them at our conference a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to that church in the next few weeks to celebrate with them in person. Because it's a miracle. So on one hand, I'm going to a church and it was devastating. And then two hours later, I'm going to a church and it's miraculous. What was the difference? It was leadership. Somebody said it. <laughs> it was leadership. One leader was given a gift and chose to bury it in the sand, afraid that everything would change. And sure enough, because of their actions, everything did change. It was sad. But there was another leader that was faced with a tough situation and decided, I'm going to give it everything I got and trust God. And even though it was tough and challenging, they started seeing miracle after miracle, and God blessed them for their hard work. I am challenging all of our churches this year as my first message in the local church, to raise up leaders and to be strong leaders for the kingdom of God. I'm proud of your pastors for being that. I'm proud of their team for being that. One of the things is I've been praying about being here with you today, specifically for this church, and I'm not, and Kim can tell you, I've not said this in other churches. I believe that God has an anointing on Calvary here in Lexington for leadership. I really do. One of the things I have noticed across our network is that we have several churches who have pastors, wonderful pastors like the Wilsons, who are getting older. And over the next five years, many of them will retire and move on, which is okay. That's not a bad thing. But I'm concerned about the pastors under them ready to take their place. I'm concerned about the younger emerging leaders that are ready to step into those lead pastor roles. Very, very important 
position to keep that church going. I'm concerned because I, my first meeting with churches was the polarizing opposite of, of bad leadership and great leadership. And I want to make sure that we always trend toward, towards the great leadership. So that's why I'm preaching this message in our churches. And I want you to know, I believe Lexington is a big part of that answer. I believe your church is a big part of the solution. That God has a season in this church now, and probably been here for many years, where he is putting an anointing to raise up leaders for the future. And I'm seeing that happen, even the way that I honored your, your pastor and his wife earlier, is a sign of what God's doing in them and through them. And I didn't even talk about your youth pastor. I didn't talk about the other ministers that are here in the church. I didn't talk about the many leaders that I've worked with here in this church over the many years here in the state. I didn't talk about the many leaders I'm still working with now in other churches that came out of here. I really believe that this is a season God wants to raise up leaders here at Calvary. And so when I was mentioning that story from the Bible, and we were talking about the older son, the younger son, I want you to think, who am I? Where am I in that story? None of us are the father, that would be God. <laughs> Some of us might be visitors and you're saying, I'm not a younger or an older son, I'm not even in the family yet. <laughs> That's okay, but just so you know, we want you to be. <laughs> this, we, you belong here. Do you see yourself as the older son? more experienced, you've been here a while, that God's calling on you first, saying, hey, I need your help in my, my field? Or do you see yourself as the younger son, one of the new ones, that God's coming to after he goes to the older one and said, hey, can you help me now? Where do you see yourself? What's your response? Are you saying to God, no? Well, I don't want you to feel guilty if that's you, but I want you to be encouraged from this story that maybe after you said no, you still should go and do it. <laughs> in fact, as the superintendent of Nebraska, I'm calling on some of you who have said no to God in the past to change your mind. Based on this story and what I've been praying, maybe not all of you, but I'm calling on you to consider that maybe you need to still go and you've said no. Now, if you're, maybe you're a younger one and you've said yes, but you're still sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> now again, I don't want you to feel bad, like shame on you, but I'm coming in today as the leader for this network and uh, with your pastor's invitation to say to you, get up and start working. <laughs> you said you're going to do it. We're here to help you. Let's make it happen. Don't just talk about it. Walk it out. But then finally... I want to say to the leaders that are here now, those that are up doing it, it's time for us to ask the younger brother to join us. We don't want to do it alone. I'm praying some very specific things when it comes to raising up leaders in our churches on a regular basis for all of our churches. There's three things. I name all of the leaders from the churches. I go section by section. We've got 11 sections in Nebraska, so it keeps me busy. And when I come to this section, the Republican Valley section, which your pastor has served as the presbyter for many years, and now he's vacating that spot to be the regional presbyter. But in this section, there's, I don't know, six churches or so. And in this area, I go through each church and I list the leaders. 
And here's one of the reasons I can tell that there's an anointing on this church. When I get to Lexington, I need to give myself a little time. Because it's name after name after name. What? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. And I'm always thinking, God, did I forget somebody? <laughs> and uh, when I pray that, I pray three things. I pray first, God, for everybody I named, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to be involved in full-time ministry. Now, when I say full-time, I'm not talking about being paid. I'm talking about full-time attention. That it's completely on your heart and the priority of your life to minister to, to God. Where you're at in your life today. The second thing I pray is that God would help every leader I named to find an assistant. Somebody that they would raise and train to take their place if God so desires. And I'm praying that in a strong way. And I want to plant that seed here today. That's really what I'm saying is find that younger brother that you can raise up so when it's your time to go, there's somebody ready to take your place. Now, I'll be honest. I think there's a lot of younger brothers in this church that need to be there for some of the older brothers, not here, in other parts of the state. Some of our churches, like the Wilsons, they're not seeing a lot of younger brothers there right now. They're praying for that. I'm praying with them, and we're believing the mailbox, you know. And, but that's how we work as a network, is God has certain areas where he raises up leaders in powerful ways, and they're sent out to other places as really a, a member of your team going and doing something elsewhere in the state as, as great teamwork. In fact, I came out of Bellevue Christian Center, and Bellevue is a strong church that has a long history of raising up leaders. Uh, many years, and recently something happened in one of those Zoom calls. We were talking about uh, just churches opening up, and we were asking how their attendance was going. I don't know if you remember this. And uh, so one of the pastors from my church uh, in Bellevue spoke up. Now, this is a church that had, when Kim and I were there, there was like 1,200 people, a lot of people. And uh, the pastor said, well, our first service, I looked around, and there was only 26 people, he said, that were there to just attend the service. They didn't, you know, they weren't working. He said, they're 26. <laughs> and uh, we went around and asked the others. The Pastor Rex goes, wow. He goes, our service, we had like 80. <laughs> and so I said, praise the Lord, Lexington beat Bellevue today, you know. <laughs> and as I've been praying and getting ready to preach here today, I really felt like that was a key moment of God saying there was a mantle at Belvin, it's still there, but that same mantle is here. And I want to empower you to raise up leaders in this church. Last story that I have for you, and then we'll close, is about the Hubbles. Many of you know Curtis and Teresa, wonderful team members. Teresa recently ordained. It was just a couple months ago. I was standing here with Pastor Rex, another presbyter joined us and we did a private ordination ceremony because they were leaving the next day on the plane to go to their mission field crazy times that we live in the door opened and they had to run past it real fast so we made it all happen and she wasn't able to be there in person with her family at the the ceremony we had a couple weeks ago so we made it as special as we could and at that event i told a very important story that's not just a story this is true but when I was elected as a superintendent, that very first night, as I slept, I had a dream about Curtis Hubble. Now, you have to know, here, that name is probably very familiar to you. You know them well. Their family was very involved in this church. Curtis and I weren't super close. 
We'd worked together a couple times at some things at the camp, at a district council, and I knew him well, but I didn't know him that well. Not enough where I would say I had a dream about him. <laughs> I mean, I love Pastor Rex, but I've never had dreams about him. <laughs> Lord, whatever you want, though. <laughs> that night I had a dream that Curtis Hubble was standing on a large cliff. And there were, his back was to the, to the opening of the cliff, you know, where it would fall. And in front of him was a team of people that were opposing him. And they were threatening him. And they were moving towards him to back him up off the cliff. And I saw Curtis stand his ground. And they kept moving towards him, and he stood his ground until they were weapons in his face. And then I woke up. Who has the interpretation? <laughs> that was a chilling dream. Now, my wife tell you, I don't have dreams all the time either. It's not, you know, I'm always writing down fun little dreams here and there. Usually I don't sleep very well, <laughs> especially the night after I was elected superintendent. What just happened? God gave me that dream. A couple weeks later, I called Curtis up and I said, hey, I, I know you've been working on your missionary stuff. I know you're, I have no idea what this means, but I want you to know, my very first night as superintendent, I feel like God told me something for you. Curtis, probably one of the most manly men I know, started weeping on the phone with me because he said, man, that encourages me so much because I know I'm doing the right thing. Now, that was a powerful moment when they were getting ordained and I was able to say that story. But I say it to you as a church down, because he's an emissary of Calvary right now, too. And he's a representation of you. And in the same way that God is raising up people that are willing to risk their life for the gospel, I think he still wants to do it more. So I'm calling on each of you to be part of that plan. Even if it's your first time here, I'm calling on you to be part of that plan, because we need you. Because God needs you. And he's calling people to go out and work in his field. And I believe you are called to be a part of it. And so I'm here to cheer you on. I'm, your pastor's here to cheer you on. But I encourage you, listen to God as he's asking for you to join in and respond affirmative. Go and get the work done. And then those of you that have been leaders for some time, I challenge you, go find a younger one to bring along with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Calvary, and thank you, Lord, for the great history of this church um, and the wonderful leaders you've produced here. Lord, I really believe you told me that this is a church that's a big part of that leadership pipeline. And so, Lord, I just pray right now for all the people listening, whether they're at home or here in this sanctuary, I pray, God, you'd speak to their hearts very clearly right now. God, that they would hear your invitation to come join you on the field. God, that they would sense that connection to Curtis in that story, or to Pastor Rex in his history, or to any of the other leaders, that, Lord, they would recognize that they're part of the plan. And then, Lord, I pray that you would pour out an anointing on Pastor Rex and Amy and their team, God, to raise up leaders out of this church like never before. I pray that you would raise up leaders that you would send all over this network and all over this country and all over this world, God, to spread your light in dark areas. God, I pray you'd raise up people that would stand their ground when the whole world is pushing on them and trying to get them to jump off and, and give up, that they would stand their ground, Father, for your kingdom. 
And Lord, for these, the Wilsons and so many others looking for those leaders, God, even here in this church, raise them up, God. Raise them up, Jesus. To use them here and to send them out for your kingdom. God, we believe in you for this. God, I believe in you for this. Thank you again for Calvary. Bless this church. Bless them in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we go, and Kenny, you can keep playing. It's all right. Hello, Kenny. <laughs> Kenny and I have worked together a lot uh, over the years. I actually have some great stories about him, but I can tell you later. <laughs> you probably know him. <laughs> I wanted to promote one thing real quick, and it's our publishing company called My Healthy Church. Is anybody familiar with that? You heard of that before? I know a lot of our pastors know about this, but I want to make sure our churches and our people are aware. You can see it. It's some of the last slides there that were on my presentation. Here it is. That's the website. Some of you might know Gospel Publishing House. That was the old name. And that name actually is still there. If you would look that up online, it'll still take you to these uh, locations. But My Healthy Church is the revised modern name for our production company. And the Assemblies of God is the leading producer of Pentecostal curriculum in the world. That's you and I a part of that. That's something to be proud of. And I want you to know, like when I grew up, you could go down across the corner from the church to a Christian bookstore and you could buy music and CDs and stuff. Those might exist still today, but I don't see them a lot anymore. So this is your bookstore, and it's at the touch, the click of a button, wherever you're at. And I want to encourage you, write this down, get this, because My Healthy Church, you need to go check it out, because they've got incredible resources that you can purchase for yourself, for your family, and for this church. And one I brought with me that I'm super excited about. How many of you... Uh, when you were a younger believer, I don't see this as much anymore, but you used to hand out Christian tracts to people. Did anybody ever do that before? They used to be these really great animated kind of cartoon tracts that were so well done that I used to kind of collect them and I probably should have been giving them away. Well, they came out with some new tracts and I brought one with me. And so I wanted to show you pictures up on the screen too. So go ahead. The first one here just shows the front of this track and it says, Jesus loves me. But then it opens up. I got to do it again because that's so great. Isn't that? I'm waiting for somebody to go, oh. That. See, I, the youth groups would do that, all right? So you got to play with me a little bit here, you know? So the next page is right and wrong. I've sinned. So we know Jesus loves us, but we also know that we're all sinners. Well, then it opens up again. That's what I was looking for. See, that's leadership right there. That's the next one. You see the cross. Jesus died for me. Jesus loves me. I'm a sinner. He died for me. And then finally, I can choose to follow Jesus. Isn't that great? I just love it. I'll be honest. Even though I'm very busy as superintendent, sometimes I pull these out and I'm just, <laughs> just a fidget. But these are like, you get 20 of these for like four bucks hand these out to all your family, friends, co-workers, people all over, and you can share the gospel in a way that maybe is hard for us to do verbally, you can do it right here. So even tools like this are available. I want to challenge you. Go check them out. Some great stuff. Who wants a track to give away to one of your neighbors? Anybody? Right here. All right. We're good to see All right. That's all I have for you. Thank you so much, Pastor Rex. God bless.
Well, we're excited about Pastor Toby and his leadership. We're excited about what God is doing in the Assemblies of God throughout our state. All right? That's exciting. We have great leadership. We have great momentum going on. And so that's exciting. So, Father, we thank you today for the chance to be together in your house. Thank you for the chance to celebrate what you're doing here across the state, across the world. And, Father, we pray that you be with us today. Draw us near to you. And as we go, we pray you bless our church family. Lord, bless our homes, our health, relationships, finances. But more than anything, help us to be your hands and feet extended to this community around us. To share your love with those around us at work, at school, everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. And well, remember tonight, we are having a prayer and worship service at 6 o'clock. And you can just pray as long as you want and you can take off. Uh, Moms and Munchkins tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Thanks for being here, guys. Make sure you catch Toby and, and Kim. They'll be here. Yeah, sign up for Women's Retreat in the foyer. Uh, they'll be out there.